Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome to the Gene Otto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Glad that he's with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist in the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter, at MGianato. Mark, good day, sir. Jeffrey, I feel like today, right around, I don't know, like 11 a.m., 11, 10 a.m., I officially felt ready for college football season. What was it? Was it the nip in the air? What was it? Was it, it the just nip a in the air? Well, like, I've spent the last three days out at, like, at Memphis football stuff. You know, like, there are di- different availabilities. It's hard for me during the... During the preseason, like when school's not in session, their practices are all in the afternoon. It's either during our radio show or, you know, I got to I gotta pick up my kids from school and all that. It's hard for me to get out there in the afternoons. But then once school starts, once season rolls around, they do their stuff in the morning because, and I actually, Mike Norvell did it this way. Ryan Silverfield has done it this way. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, a lot of... Previous places I've covered, they all do their practices in the afternoon. Yeah, that's what it was from... Um, morning stuff was during camp, and then so Memphis is fl- it's flipped. Yeah, um, and the justification behind it, Norvell and and Silverfield have said it in the past, is like they want the most focus in the morning. Plus, if you have practice early in the morning, it dissuades you from going out at night. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also it gives you like the rest of the day I to just focus argue, on school. That sounds like a challenge. <laughs> yes, um, but it gives you the rest of the day. To just focus on school, like you're in, you're at, you do football stuff in the morning, and then you do school stuff the rest of the day, um, and uh, but no, just like listen, you know, I just feel, I feel like I, I feel like, uh, you know what it was, you know how I knew I was ready, Jeffrey. After three days spent listening to you know Ryan Silverfield and Tim Cramsey, the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator today, Matt Barnes, the defensive coordinator. Jeffrey, they've talked me into thinking this Memphis football team could be good, and I know that is—that's mm. when I know I'm how ready. Many, how many we've fo- had we've had enough days of flowery talk that I've I'm now like, man, you know, this team could be good. How many football seasons have you covered at this point? Like, you know, what, fifteen to twenty, something like that. Okay, how many teams did you cover where you know what? Not gonna be good this year. Oh no, no, that's what I'm saying. No, listen. Just because I've come away feeling that this like, team's going to be good. Okay, I guess I'll ask it to you this way. 
do you feel different today than you did Wednesday of week one last year and the year before? I think I definitely feel a little better about this team than I did last year's team. Okay, is that based on anything other than the schedule? And I'm asking, I think I'm asking even honestly. I'm I not think asking, even like, the way the coaches are talking about this team, you feel like there's a different. There's a vibe. better. There's a be, even. It's better flowery stuff than last year's flowery stuff. Remember, there was all those caveats. This week we had Ryan Silverfield. While it was, you know, like we'll see. I appreciated that he made a very definitive statement on Monday. Like we're going to be more explosive. This is going to be more like you're going to watch this team and go. That's that's Memphis football. That's what he said on Monday. And whether that's true or not, I you know we'll see. It'll bear out over the course of the season. But remember last year, his like declarative statement was, "We we got the chance to be good, but we're pretty young." You know, remember he had like had it was kind of like the, there was, I, a, I was there was a butt attached to it. There was, was no butt this year when they were talking about this team. Because I was trying to remember not last year. Because you're all right. I do remember. I do remember thinking, uh, if you're going to plug this, if you're going to use this recruiting class. Because one of my favorite things is having Ryan change his narratives, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, the the justification for himself. Um, when he was plugging the recruiting class, but then, you know, but we're young. And then also you and I, like, started going through the roster. We're like, you know, that recruiting class isn't a huge part of, of the two deep. But I was trying to remember during the quarterback battle year, I felt like we were so focused on – because remember the whispers about – Ganell getting hurt or Ganell being hurt. Yes. And, then, and that I feel like that well, took over it, week one. One, it's like when you talk to people now two years later, like those guys knew like three weeks before the season that Hennigan was going to be ultimately probably going to start the at least start the season because Ganell, it wasn't like he had beaten Ganell as much as Ganell had not even really participated yeah, because of his that, injury. But remember that quickly turned into, well, you know, he's going to win the job anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, and in fairness, in fairness, I'll say time, this: time might have proven that to be true. Yes, I mean Ganell is at Sam Houston State now. I think he's not. He, Ganell's he on school number four. Yeah, and um, didn't start at North. Didn't win the starting job at North Texas either last year. Um, so, but uh, again, me thinking the team is going to be good. Me being convinced, you know, that doesn't mean like I, I've I have made. I just think the fact that I'm thinking that way, Jeffrey, that's a good sign. That's the start of the season. Well, I mean, like hope, they've talked me into it. Hope springs eternal. I'm I'm just trying to get down more to the the reason why you feel that way. Because like I was trying to think back of when I was like on the beat every day. Mm-hmm. So the year, the last year that I covered them, which is Freeze's last year, they thought There's- they were going to be awesome. But they thought they were going to be awesome for this one reason. Because you do have to factor this in. And with Silverfield, it's a little more difficult. Always pay attention to what side of the ball the head coach actually cares about. Because mm-hmm. they always do care about one side of the ball more than the other. Ole Miss that year in preseason practice offensively looked incredible. They mm-hmm. had Chad Kelly coming back for his senior year. They had the uh, freshman receivers, A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. They had DeMaurier Stringfellow, who got kicked out of Washington for fighting, uh, also got into a brawl uh, like the week before week one. So you knew he had some talent. Uh, He still was playing that Ingram. So offensively, they thought they were going to be awesome. And they were awesome in practice. The problem was 
there was the other side of the football, and they were horrific defensively, mm-hmm. and that team ends up going five and seven. But most of the other years, I I think you're probably okay if this is your gut. Like I felt like I always had a pretty good sense of when I was there on the beat every day. Like he kind of knew. Well, here's uh, do they think they're good or not? Here's the and we're gonna play buy sell short or go to Reddit, and this will set it up uh, to start the show. We got David Cobb from CBS Sports joining us. We'll get his thoughts on week one of college football as well. Three o'clock or so, we will get in the playoff. In the playoff, yeah, we got a big meeting of the college football playoff. Uh, the commissioners today, um, and then we'll get into the list. United Team USA played it in the in FIBA uh, t- this morning at three forty in the morning. Did they? Um, and then we've uh, we'll get you the latest in the NFL. Uh, Joe Burrow back at practice today. Uh, we'll discuss that more later. But um, this will set up what we're going to get to here in a second. In that, here's the most optimistic. This is what I want to set it up. This is the most optimistic way to look at this Memphis football team right. and why, like, why you can be sold on why I, why why I'm now I've convinced I've talked myself into the team. All right, you mentioned already. Favorable schedule, first off. Like, it's just, it's a schedule that sets up nicely for the team. Two, defense came on strong at the end of last year. I looked this up, Jeffrey. They finished ranked 51st in total defense last year. That's better than the 2019 defense that went to the Cotton Bowl. Actually, the best finish Memphis has had defensively since 2014, last year's defense. And they returned key players at all three levels of that defense. And they've added what they feel. I haven't heard them talk about a transfer the way they've talked about this Simeon Blair guy from Arkansas. He's been voted a captain. They took him to media day. He's penciled in as an immediate starter. It it feels like they've the the big loss they had on that defense is Quindell Johnson. And the way they've talked about Simeon Blair feels like he's a nice fit filling that that void. So I think there's a chance. A, a pretty good chance this is the best defense they've had under Silverfield, okay? That's that's one way you talk yourself into it. All right. And then because off, defense wins in this league that they play in? Offensively, they've got more weapons. They've got more explosive weapons, according to them. Now, I haven't seen any of these, you know, like you haven't seen many of these guys, but, you know, Demir Blankamsey was a pretty significant contributor at Toledo last year. Blake Watson pretty significant contributor at Old Dominion last year. Towski Dove, a pretty significant contributor at Missouri over the past few years. Um, and then you've got Rock Taylor, who has made big plays for them in the past, but has been in a more limited role. Yeah, but you can you can talk me into Rock is having a going to have a breakout season. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, I would have to see it first, yes. but you, if you tell me you think Rock's going to have a breakout and, season, I'm not sitting there going, oh, you're high. And then they've got three returning starters on the interior of the offensive line and a left tackle who was the starter to open up last season and then got hurt against Mississippi State, McKaylin Pounders. Yes, and that, in fairness, the left side of the offensive line, I think, was a problem and led to Seth, I think, struggling at times. Yes, and then you've got, lack Seth, of trust. You've got Seth Hennigan with a – if you're to listen to the coaches – a cast of playmakers around him that better fits his skill set, which is not like ultimately Seth Hennigan's ceiling. And I and I don't say this in a negative way. Like I think this could be, you know, I'm not. It it, it might be good enough to be an NFL quarterback, maybe. 
but he's an elite distributor ultimately at his peak. He is not like a guy who's going to wow you with his arm strength and like I, all the throws he can make. He's a, you know, like at his peak, if he's to like be the uh, the best version of himself. I mean, I don't think he's an NFL starter. No, but uh, you know what I mean? Like, like that's why I said maybe. Like I said, you know, like maybe if he has like he can make it to the NFL as like yeah, like as a. I would say this. I have no like. I think it's maybe. I he's a maybe. Well, I think it's he's a fringe I, prospect. I think of it this way. I'm forget the NFL because I would be surprised if he ever yeah. was like a roster guy. Mm-hmm. But what I do believe, I believe that he can be the best quarterback in this league. Yeah, he can be Brady White. You know, like that, like. And maybe even like maybe better because I think he's a better athlete. I mean, Brady at that point his knees were done. Like yeah. Seth moves sh- like Seth moves sneaky, sneaky, sneaky mobile. Yeah, he's he's better athlete than you can cover. Yes. But that's how you talk yourself into it. So along those lines, let's play a little buy sell short or go to Reddit. It's that time on 92.9's Giannato and Jeffrey show where we either buy, buy sell, sell short, short or go to Reddit. So the first buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit is based off of that, Jeffrey. My, I just presented you like the most optimistic, right? Probably the most optimistic way you could look at this Memphis football team. Yeah, I think you did. Um, the the most realistic, like see, like the realistic. If it all and comes together, correct. yeah. If it all comes together, I did not. Nothing that you said in terms of being trying to be optimistic seemed far fetched. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's, you know, it, great seasons are made out of all those things coming together. Right. Um, and so I ask you this, or I present you this by so sure to go to Reddit. Memphis football will have a successful season. So this is a multifaceted by so sure to go to Reddit because it depends, you know, your definition of a successful well, say, season could be different. Well, my than first mine. question is according to whom? I would say, because to me, the overarching question of to 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 call this a success in my mind, it's not even as so much a win total as much as a feeling of you've come out of the season and the program feels like it has momentum again. That to me is a successful season, and my gut tells me the threshold for doing that is nine or more wins. Okay, so we're then that should be this that that should be the threshold because I was thinking in my head. Eight, eight and four to me does not feel successful. Eight and four to me feels like pass fail. Yes. Like you passed. It'd be fine. It would not It would not generate momentum for the program, it feels like. Because when you look at. Because eight and four, it, to me, it's got to be. Like got, what's the best case for eight and four? You lose barn burners to Missouri. The best case for eight and four is an eight and four where you go. That could have been special. Like, well, it's like an eight and four where two of the losses are to Boise and Missouri. So that means you're still in the mix for the AAC title, correct? You know, like because if you're eight and four, but two of them are non-conference losses, six and two would have you in the mix at the end of the year to be in the conference championship game. Yes, but in that scenario, most likely your eight and four is those two losses, and then mm-hmm. you lose to Tulane and SMU. Yes, and then you would probably because those are presumably going to be you're going to be three of the teams fighting mm-hmm. presumptively to be. In the mix, and you've lost a Or both. it's, you know, you've beaten SMU and got upset by someone who you probably shouldn't, you know, you you weren't expected. Like, you lose at North Texas, but, see, I think but that, you beat SMU. Okay, but I think that, so to me, that's why 8-4, and four, I can't mm-hmm. say that's a success yes. because, like, to me, the only way 8-4 and four is a success is this way. You have four losses to, you have four losses to Missouri, 
uh, let's see, Missouri, Boise, Tulane, SMU by like a combined like seventeen points. Mm-hmm. Like it, that, and even then you'd have. I think you'd while but some people have, might view it as a success. I think it'd be a polarizing season that some people would go, well, who'd you beat? Well, and then yet again, you would run into the same problem. Well, you can't win close games. Yes. I I don't think 8-4 and four gets it done for being a I think some people may disagree in terms of successful. I think successful season is 9-3 and three or better. I'm with you. So my the I think the fact that we didn't talk about this before, mm-hmm. and in my head I'm like 8-4 and four is not a success for me, so therefore 9-3 and three has to be. Mm-hmm. I think that sh- that should define a successful season. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to sell it. Ooh, okay. This team feels like an eight and four football team. Mm. But it could be it could be eight and four. Like here's the thing: if it's eight and four, and let's say they go into the last season, last game with a chance to make the AC championship game, but fall short, finish third at eight and four, mm-hmm. that wouldn't be successful. No. Okay. I mean, to me, like. Because I think, here's the problem. You and I defining whether or not it's successful Mm -hmm. is really neither here nor there. Yeah. The reality is, what does the fan base feel? Yeah. And to me... How many people are at those last home games? Well, and to me, though, rightly or wrongly, don't you feel like when you lose close games, it turns heat on the coaching? Like, you assume, like, we lost it. Yeah. That many close games, Mm -hmm. you view it as a coaching problem, less Mm -hmm. than a player problem. Mm -hmm. And whether or not that's fair... I don't know. Like sometimes I could I could make the argument it's quarterback play. Like mm-hmm. particularly in the close losses last year. Like I thought Seth had to be Seth needed to be better in some of those those close losses. But inevitably the mood of the fan base turns the attention to the coach. And so if it's for it to be defined as a, success, a successful season, don't you also think ingrained in that or baked into that is we want to feel good about Ryan Silverfield. Mm-hmm. Would you not agree that that's like a component? Yeah, and I think if you go eight and four, it's going to be another. Well, I guess you know, yeah, we'll stick with them, but because the other aspect of kind of why I'm selling it is like this team under him has not been good on the road. Mm-hmm. They have almost every year had a game where you're going. How did they lose that? Mm-hmm. And so to me, like you. You sit there and you look at the win total. And they seven haven't, they haven't like, won a lot of close games since Brady left. They won a bunch of close games his first year. They haven't done so well the last couple of years. I'm trying to think. Think back to last season. So last, last season, season they lost the Houston game. That was I mean that was a close game. It was also just a total collapse. Correct. Um, they lost uh, the East Carolina SMU it, were all one possession. Yes. Um, I mean, last year UCF was a, I think, wasn't it like a fake one possession game? Like they were down fourteen, but like they scored late. And I think they never, yeah, I think they it, never got the ball back. I think it was like a seven point loss, but it was like, yeah, but it was a well, remember no, but it was a close game. Like they were, um, they, it was a tie game going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, but they got down fourteen in the fourth. They never got the ball back with a chance to go tie it. Um. Let's see here. No, they 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 were tied at twenty one. Then UCF scored early in the fourth quarter to make it twenty eight twenty one, and then they had a chance to tie it there, and then di- kicked it. Remember they remember he like he made a bizarre fourth down call. I want to say at one point in that game um, that I, that we were critical of. I'm trying to remember what there it was. There was also 
when was the bad? I think that was the first half. The bad Brady pick on the screen. I think that was the first you half. You mean Seth, you're talking Seth, about. sorry, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was – I'm trying – I'm going back and reading the comment. I don't even remember. Um, yeah, it was uh, – it was – it was uh, – it was when they were tied late in the third quarter. Memphis had the ball in UCF's 39-yard line and had a fourth and 16. Um, oh, yeah, and he went for it. And he went for it. Did he go for it or did he fake the punt? Um, no, he decided to go for it. And uh, I believe uh, Hennigan threw the ball up for grabs. It was like you could have pinned him back. The defense had been playing well, and it kind of just flipped the momentum of the game. Um, I believe he went back and said afterwards he would do it. You know, he like was okay, but, okay with the but, call. But do, you, but do you see like the point yet again? Yeah. That's another thing that would be put on coaching. No, I don't know. No, it's exactly right. And then he has not – you can look at it two ways. They have not had a lot of luck the past couple years. It also, you know, feels like they just haven't been good in close games. Like they – you know, like I think it's a combination of both. But when it happens so many times, you start to go, well, like – At what point is it a coincidence? Yeah, like, you know, like how much bad luck can you really have? Um, but – that's also, I think, a reason for hope. It's, I'm buying. I think this is going to be a successful football season. Do you think they're not in three? They, they've talked or me better. Into, they've. T- I'm probably. I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm getting too overexcited. But I feel like things are aligning well for them. It feels like they've gotten more impact guys out of the portal. Like you look at that too deep. Remember, like last year, they'd get these guys out of the portal who had this cachet behind them. And then they weren't even in the too deep. You're like, where are these guys? More of the guys they've gotten out of the portal have appeared into the like immediately appeared on the too deep. And I think that's encouraging. And then I do think the defense is going to be pretty good. And I'm going to take their word that the skill position guys, except for maybe tight end, are an improvement from last year. Because those skill position guys weren't very good last year. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I guess the problem is. When's the last time the best team in the league was the best defensive team in the league? I mean, I Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati, it felt like part of the reason Cincinnati became the best team in the league is because their offense They leveled came up on offense. They were always yeah. good defensively, and then they leveled yeah. up on yeah. offense. Um, and it was like Memphis became And the, they also, let's be clear, they had nine draftees on yes. that team. And then Memphis was the same way. They leveled. Remember that the year they won the league, they leveled up on defense. Remember they got like better on that Adam Fuller guy came in as the defensive coordinator and they were better yeah. on defense. Yeah, and they I don't know I thought that that year they made a uh, a stylistic change that I thought was smart. Instead of they decided that year they went more aggressive. Like they yeah. were fine giving up big plays because it gave the offense the ball back, but mm-hmm. they wanted to create more negative plays. They were they were they were much riskier on defense. Yes, um, but. I think they've got a shot at going nine and th- I think they can go nine and three. I, the schedule's not that difficult, and I think they're going to be better. I've, I've thought it. You know, I was I probably went into August going this is a seven and five, eight and four team, and their rhetoric has talked me into eight and four, nine and three. Okay, I bumped them up a game essentially because of what I've heard from them, and it could be like again. I want to preface this by saying. I've been duped many times before. I, 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 but I, I'm excited to buy it. You know, I, I'm ready to. 
I'm ready to buy into the preseason rhetoric. I'm okay with that. All right, so let me read you some conference-only numbers. Okay. You ready? Yep. Last year, conference-only, mm-hmm. 31 points per game. New conference now, though. Correct. But that was up from last year. Yeah. 25 points per game. Mm-hmm. 2020, Brady's the COVID year, mm-hmm. 27 points per game. Mm-hmm. 2019, mm-hmm. 39 points per game. Yeah. Uh, 2018, 38 points per game. Well, it was funny. I was going through Ryan's comments this week, and it's just like he, he kind of does this all the time. Like he was like trying to make a point that like you know because like their offense has slowed down since Norvell left. You know, like remember they were like, and and he was like we we never actually were you know contrary to what people thought we were never actually like a you know a tempo team. We did tempo, but we weren't like a tempo team. We didn't. You know, Brady White actually preferred it slowed down. Like, he wants, you know, like, you align quickly, but we weren't running, like, as many plays as everyone in the country. And I was just like, I was like, well, I was like, I went back and looked. Like, the 2019 team ranked in the top 10 in the country in plays per game, um, well, in plays run. Yeah, here's my problem. I, tempo, fine. So, be mm-hmm. it. there's no denying that they were more explosive. There were times where Brady, yes, mm-hmm. they they were not like the fastest tempo. Mm-hmm. But the amount of explosive plays compared to now is drastically different. And I think he would he he would agree with that. But I just thought it was like they did play faster though under under Norvell and I've been surprised at times um that they've slowed it down as much as they have the past couple years, but to be fair, it feels like doesn't it feel like tempo isn't as popular as it was five years ago? It's like you, people go no huddle, but they it's like a you know methodical no huddle. It's you know you're reading the line, you're looking at the sideline to you know to see if you need to audible and all that. You know, there's a lot of it's reverting back to being overcoached, mm-hmm. which is kind of what you're you're pointing. But like I don't know, I think there's just more of a mix now. It felt like tempo became such a fad that you either have teams like Kiffin uh, with Ole Miss that run like a play every 12 seconds, mm-hmm. or you have the everyone everyone gets sprints to the line, mm-hmm. tries to figure out what the defense is doing, then looks to the sideline. So, yes, but my bigger my bigger deal is when you start to look at the the when you start to compare it to like Norvell offenses, there's a key key difference in points per game. Well, and they can they could run the ball. That, that's, the that's been the big well, it's difference. The red zone, same yeah. thing. They like, and you know, talking to Seth Hennigan, I and think, like last. So, for instance, they got they they improved last year by six points from the previous year, mm-hmm. but the red zone numbers were largely the same. So the biggest difference was they couldn't kick a field goal the mm-hmm. year before. Yeah, and they were able to make field goals last. No, year. and they had a good field goal kicker yeah. last year. They'll have a new one this year. We'll see how he does, um, but. I think because of the schedule, because they do have, even though there are going to be a lot of new faces, there are some key points of continuity. They got both coordinators back. They got Hennigan back. They've got some key pieces on defense back. They've got their three interior offensive linemen back. Um, I mean, to be clear though, I don't care if you can't if you can't run the ball. You just have to be able to like my thing. Well, is I red think- zone is either one of two things. Usually, it's either a can you impose your will and just sh- shove it down their throats, mm-hmm. but that requires elite offense. Like, well, it's also it's creativity, but that's scheme. That's a, yeah, the other one's scheme. scheme. But I also think what last year showed us is that Seth Hennigan is not the type of quarterback who can just like 
he can throw it 50 times a game, but that's not going to be where he's most successful as a quarterback. He need like talking to him. Well, I would say he this. thinks I the think... biggest difference for him will be this year the fact that he's like he thinks they are going to have a running game they can actually rely on this year. And you know, I think that's good. You know, that's going to be. I mean, that's fine, but th- it's been proven statistically the difference between being really good and not is how well you throw the football. Mm-hmm. But he just thinks it's going to be easier to throw I mean, the you football can... that because well, you're think... going to have a running game. Well, yes, it is obviously easier if you if. Teams have to load up to stop yeah. the run, but are you convinced that all of a sudden this team is now able to run the football like that? I think I my my buying of this being a successful season is honestly because I got some more numbers for you. You ready? I but these numbers are not against this schedule. I think this schedule is going to allow them to have a successful season. I think they're going to be a better team, and then you add in the fact that they don't have a difficult schedule. I think they're going to have a successful season. Mike Norvell's last year, they averaged 4.6 yards per rush. Mm-hmm. The very next year, mm-hmm. with an offensive line as the line coach, as the head coach, it immediately dropped to 3.3. The next year, it was still 3.3. Last year, it was 3.2. Yeah. Now, they lost a lot of linemen from that Norvell team, to be fair. But yes, no, they have not run the ball well at all. It's been one of the, honestly, one of the dark marks, you know, this the this run game was so good when when Silverfield was the O line coach and the run game coordinator, um, and it has not been good with him as the head coach. But uh, we'll see. Only a, a couple more days. Um, all right, buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit because we are just you know, a little over twenty four hours away from the start of Week One tomorrow night. Um, buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. You prefer an understated Week One, Jeffrey, because that is so you've you've alluded to this already this week. You feel like week two much superior yes, to week one this not week. Not even close. Uh one week one this year. So you prefer an understated week one. All right, I'm gonna buy this. Here's how I talk myself into it. Mm-hmm. If you have bangers on week one, week two usually stinks. Now I, I do think so the the premise of this is that week one is not is is somehow Okay, uh, not good. Okay, well, right? let, let, let's let's start here. Okay, we both agree. Florida State, LSU, Sunday night banger. Yes, like, can't watch. Like, can't wait to watch. Game. Like if we go through this Thursday night, you've got Florida, Utah, and Nebraska, Minnesota okay. are kind of your highlights, and right? Utah just announced that Cam Rising is out. Okay, and Graham Mert- So Graham Mertz versus a backup quarterback. Are you super pumped? Like it's football. It's week one. And then you get the first game of Matt Rule. Correct. Nebraska versus PJ Fleck. Correct. I'll be honest. I, I you know, I, I'm excited for Nebraska potentially beating Minnesota and Nebraska fans getting way ahead of themselves. I'm kind of excited for that. I can buy that. Also, though, you have to do the caveat of Matt Rule stinks in year one, even mm-hmm. though, well, yeah. his year one was at so, Temple and then at Baylor after a massive so, scandal. So then scandal. So you got that Thursday, then Friday. It's it's Louisville Georgia Tech is really your only main and the battle for Miami Miami of Ohio versus Miami uh, Central Michigan Michigan State like these are all kind of blah games now I'll say this so if you look at the t- different TV windows and mm-hmm. we're, we're giving you a little preview here to the tasting menu but like Saturday's not I mean depends what you think of Colorado TCU since it's Dion you know that's kind of an event game because Dion's first game at Colorado I would say. Um, 
And then... Oh, I presume you were not watching what I was watching Sunday night. What's that? The Saints... Uh, the Saints-Texans preseason game? No. Mark. What happened? Fox was already marketing that game. Oh. Like, they had plants. <laughs> they had plants in the game, in the Superdome, wherein, like, did you, uh, the Dion, did you see Dion's outfit from the spring game? Mm-hmm. He's wearing, like, the black yeah. cowboy shirt with the cowboy hat, the white yeah. cowboy hat. Like, they had plants that were, like, wearing that outfit, and they were plugging the must-watch game of the year. With that said, like, let's be real. I think it's I think it's kind of fun to be like, I don't care about Dion. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, we like watch. You got an event game there. You've got at the in the two thirty window. Like, I do think Boise Washington is like a decent game. Yeah. Um, in the six o'clock window, you've got um, North Carolina, South Carolina, West Virginia, Penn State Be- are both decent games. Beamer, Sophie's choice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then, you know, so you got like there's some stuff. And then, as you mentioned, you've got the Sunday night game, LSU, Florida State. Okay. Like, again, I understated probably is the right word to describe it. It's let, not let, horrible. Let, let me quickly run through week two, which, by mm-hmm. the way, this is not like a circle the calendar, but it's just this is week two. Mm-hmm. The banger of the game is Alabama and Texas. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite fired up for that because I think. Too many people have talked themselves into Alabama just, like, winning that game. But if you start, like, look, forget the, because we have Thursday night, the NFL's taking over. Uh, you get Notre Dame and NC State, which is going to be an interesting game because NC State's one of the few teams that can probably up front match up with Notre Dame. Uh, this is the early window. Utah at Baylor. Uh, Troy, who's a sneaky good P5, Kansas State. Like, that could be your... Uh, Kansas State lost a Tulane game mm. and then still wins the Big Ten or Big 12, beg your pardon. Uh, you've got uh, – then you got uh, uh, Tulane and Ole Miss, which – excuse me, Ole Miss at Tulane, which a lot of AAC people are, are circling. Mm-hmm. A&M Miami, uh, the, I, the battle for who could bet on their teams under, Iowa-Iowa State. So- so you made it clear. So week two is better than week one. A thousand percent. So are you buying, selling, shorting, I'm or go to Reddit? I'm buying it because in the end, you you prefer a week one, understated week one. I would rather week one. week one suck than week two suck because at least with week one, I'm just like, I've got football Yeah, back. I was going to say, I'm buying it. I got football back. Because you know, it's just like, honestly, it's, it's just like with Memphis's schedule. Like, yeah, it's great to play Mississippi State the first game. But, like, I'm pretty excited about them playing uh, Bethune-Cookman on Saturday because it's the first game. Whereas if Bethune-Cookman was the second or third game, yeah. or, like, last year when they played North Alabama, the second to last game of the year, like, I wasn't excited about that whatsoever. Yeah. But because it's the first game, I'm excited about it. So why waste a good game on a week where you're going to get excited about the game no matter what because it's the first game of the year? Yeah, and... and- Again, we've had years where week one has just, like, must-watch games. But then I I have to remind myself, the week two stinks. Mm -hmm. And so I would rather have – I'm just so excited to have football back, wall-to-wall games, and then, you know, ease you in. It's like, Mark, it's a preseason game for us. Mm -hmm. It's week zero for us. Mm -hmm. You can ease your your way into it. I mean, your team has an entire month – excuse me, six straight weeks. When's the first – What's the first game Michigan could actually lose? 
Um, I mean, the real answer is like Penn State in November. November. So you have two straight months. You have two straight I months guess, of preseason. I guess. I guess. At Michigan State is always tricky. You know, no matter what Michigan State is as a team, going to East Lansing and winning okay, is difficult. That's, it's October twenty first. Okay, sure. And like maybe. Maybe I mean they play back to back. I think it's back to back road games at Nebraska, no, no, and at Minnesota. No, no, no. The first game you could actually lose at Michigan State. Yeah, you at, could talk me like tuck, tuck, tuck coming, yeah. getting them up at Michigan State. And like with the, it's going to be all sorts of emotional after the fight last year in the tunnel. You know, it's going to be like yeah. a big hole to do all week leading into that. So maybe that, but. Um, all right, really oh, I forgot Tunnelgate. Really quick, buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. AT and T and Directv customers will get will be able to watch college football on Reg this weekend and all Next Star stations around the country. I'm selling this. <laughs> it's not getting settled before football starts. I think it doesn't get settled until at, next week. Here's NFL where Sunday, talk, because at a certain point they can't afford. They do get some. NFL commercial time revenue, mm-hmm. like not a lot of it, mm-hmm. but I don't think they can afford to lose out on the. So you think this will get this will get settled yeah. by NFL opening Sunday? I, I would tell you this: if you haven't gone out and spent like the twenty twenty five bucks to go get the digital antenna, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you are like me, a Directv subscriber, like Mark, an AT and T Uverse subscriber, go out and buy it. Well, like what games this week? The games you could potentially miss. Wyoming and Texas Tech. Wyoming and Texas Tech. Ohio State, Indiana. That's it, right? No, Rutgers in Northwestern on Sunday. Oh, God. It's the Big Ten on CBS on Sunday. And Oregon State, San Jose State on Sunday. And, of course, i got to be with my beefs. Yeah. So if you you don't get the antennas, well, unless they hash out a deal here in the next couple days. I'm telling you, it's worth the 25 bucks. Crystal clear picture and... You don't have to deal with the delay. Like I was my my it's the one time that like CBS was ahead of the sports mix. It was awesome. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. Let's talk about uh let's talk about the future of the playoff with Cobb. We'll get his thoughts on week one. We'll do that next, right here. Giannotto and Jeffrey, 929 FM. Yes. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah. One. 
Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. David Cobb writes about college football and basketball for CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at David W. Cobb. Cobb, we're going to get into some playoff stuff in just a minute, but Mark is getting his first real taste of Tennessee uh, balls are back. And the, because Mark doesn't understand, like, if you grew up here and you're like, I don't know, 34 or older, like the 90s and the 2000s, it wasn't hard to get Tennessee fans fired up. But here's my question. What team do you think, what fan base is set up more for disappointment this year? Michigan or Tennessee? I think I would go Tennessee. To me, though, the floor for Michigan with the schedule Michigan plays is really high. But Mark points out, so if, like, let's say worst case scenario, I'm with you. It feels like the worst case scenario is they lose to Penn State and Ohio State 10 and 2, right? Right. Okay. Mark's, that'd be a that'd be a huge Mark's disappointment. Whole, Mark's whole group chat is championship or bust. <laughs> yeah. it, like, like I, I presented the notion to my friends of if Michigan like if Michigan loses before the Ohio State game, it'll be a big disappointment this year. And I I was met with the response of if we lose to Ohio State, it would be a big disappointment. Like if we don't go if we're not in the playoff and like ultimately it's championship or bust. And like anything else would be kind of a disappointment for so Michigan this year. And the other, that's like that feels like you're setting up for failure right there. Considering Michigan's won has has won what one has shared one national championship yes, since a, like 1940. They have a half of a national championship, ironically, thanks to Tennessee because they got smoked by Nebraska that night. Um, I would argue this: it also has to be Michigan because while there's no obviously Cobb, there's no denying the Vols are back. We all know this: the Vols are back. <laughs> There's still Georgia, and so. Like, it feels like the dream scenario for even the sky-high Tennessee fans are maybe we can sneak in as, like, the second playoff team. Like, go 11-1. and one. But, like, I don't I don't get the sense with Tennessee. Like, I think Tennessee can talk themselves into, hey, maybe we can upset Georgia this year. I don't think any Tennessee fan expects the Volunteers to beat both Georgia and Alabama. And, and especially not Georgia. I understand they come to Neyland Stadium this year, and it'll be a different – situation than it was when they got stomped in Athens last year in the rain. But I think the ideal scenario for most Tennessee fans, and I, I, I know a lot of them, is you go 11-1 and one with a loss at home to Georgia, uh, and then you sneak into the playoff the same way that Ohio State did last season without even playing in your conference title game because you're 11-1 and one and you kind of end up backdooring your way in. Yeah. And that's that, That's the best-case scenario. I mean, the best-case scenario is what should have happened last year if they don't lose that game uh, to so, South Carolina. Yeah, but then... They're uh, in the playoff if they don't lose that game. Maybe. That's a good question. Does... Because here's... Are you still... Okay, if you say they win that game, does Hinton Hooker get hurt still? Because I do think that they would have used the Tennessee without Hinton Hooker. Because I think it... Cobb, right? It would have come down to at that point. It would have probably come down to uh, to TCU. It would have been oh, like Tennessee, Ohio no, State, no, and TCU. Question. What do you think? Eleven and one. 
11 and 1 Ohio State, 11 and 1 Tennessee. I think they probably go Ohio State if Hinton Hooker's hurt. I think so. And, and hell knows no fury like a scorned Tennessee fan base. And that selection committee would have had to, I mean, go into witness protection if they had if they had scorned a, a Tennessee team with a legitimate case for the. I would have read. I would have read VolQuest for two straight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. so Cobb, here's my reticence. I I watched. Joe Milton play quarterback quite a bit at Michigan. Um, it feels like we're. It feels like there's being a little bit too much put into. He had a really good bowl game, mm-hmm. and I, I'm just not. I'm not convinced that Joe Milton is going to be like some great quarterback. Well, yeah, I guess you're year. just going to dismiss. He looked good against Vandy too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you go look, I mean, he had ten touchdowns and no interceptions last season, and, and on in the preview magazine or on the surface. That looks really good. Most of it was just mop-up stuff. It was, exactly. And I'm with you, Mark. I'm skeptical on Joe Milton. I think he's like this year's Will Levis. He's going to get hyped because of the physical tools, because of the raw talent, in a way that Hendon Hooker never was. But there's a reason why Hendon Hooker ends up beating out Joe Milton for the job in the first place, even though Heupel had initially sided with Milton. It was because Hooker had touch on his throws. He was accurate. He could... Uh, make the right reads, and we've seen Joe Milton win a starting job in camp uh, on two occasions at two major programs and ultimately relinquish that job uh, both times. Most quarterbacks don't get a third chance to be a starter at the Power 5 level. Joe Milton is unique in that way, and I don't know that we can necessarily point to a whole lot of success stories of a fifth or, in this case, sixth-year senior finally getting it right at the very end of their career, and and this is such a, a quarterback-dependent system that to me it feels like a risky proposition for Tennessee to have uh, so many of their chips all in on on Joe Milton so I'm I'm a little sketch on this as well I don't think it it bothers them in week one I think they're gonna crush Virginia uh really without much much problem but I mean you go to week three at Florida I mean a lot of these a lot of Tennessee fans I talked to are kind of just assuming almost that Tennessee wins at the swamp which is crazy I mean it's been over two decades since they won at the swamp and now we're just sort of penciling that one in as a as a win uh, without much thought. And that's frightening. And maybe we get a wake-up call on Thursday night when Florida goes out to Salt Lake City because if they win that game, then all of a sudden uh, the, the thought around Florida starts to change quite a bit. I want to make an official call, though. I, I, first off, I agree with everything y'all are saying about Milton. With that being said, if you still pop in the Clemson tape and I watch that post pattern, mm. like I'm just like, oh, my God, that guy's <laughs> the greatest player ever. I think I've got an official call, though, for my week one overreaction. Mm-hmm. Joe Milton's going to be the week one Heisman Trophy winner. Oh, you think he's just a like big An- game against Virginia? Just like Anthony Richardson last year, uh, when everyone's like, oh, my God, this is the Heisman winner. I think Joe Milton, because I, I think Virginia, like, truly sucks. And I think I think Milton's going to be the hype train guy. Absolutely a realistic possibility. And Tennessee thrives. Uh, oh, yeah. That early on. that early week one win? Oh, yeah. Well, and yeah. you've got the added layer of, I think this whole, this Tony Elliott saying he got offered the job thing, like, <laughs> whether he's right or wrong, like, if you're Josh Heupel, aren't you going like, screw you, guy. Okay, so I think that is counterbalanced by the need for sensitivity in regards to the fact that this is Virginia's first game back since that terrible shooting. Yeah, that that's happened. true. But I, uh, And that's not to make light of the shooting. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, I don't know. I, I think the thing that has been, that's interesting to me, that Dabo Swinney coaching tree, baby. Whoo, boy. Like, 
That bad. is brutal. Well, just one bit. Hey, listen, Elliot, it's, it's, it's so, year two. No, it's so bad that right now they're trying to claim Billy Napier, who he fired. Like, <laughs> like, and not only that, like, Napier. Now, granted, there's kind of a similar situation with Heupel and Stoops. Although I think Heupel and Stoops have made up a little bit. But, like, that was the big deal. Like, Dabo got rid of Napier, and, like, for a while, people thought Napier was going to take the South Carolina job just so he could go play Dabo. Mm, interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dabo needs uh, Oklahoma to have a nice year with Brent Venables <laughs> to, to redeem his coaching tree because at the moment it's, it's not a very good one. All right, Cobb, switching topics. As we speak, the commissioners of all the FBS leagues are in, uh, I believe, the, the Grand Hyatt at DFW. Uh, talking about didn't even go to Frisco football stuff slash college football playoff stuff for the first time since the Pac-12 essentially blew up. Um, the I think the, the the biggest topic that they'll talk about for people here in Memphis is the future of the college football playoff. It is very clearly not going to stay at six conference champions and six at-larges as was planned starting next year, it feels like. Um, But it seems like they're open to the idea of five and seven, five conference champions and seven at-larges, which would leave the door open for a group of fives. But there's also talk of, why don't we just go to the 12 highest-ranked teams? Well, Mark's bearing the lead. We have real news from the meetings. Yes. What's the news? Mark. The commissioners approved the stipend for player families to travel to the playoff games. Oh, great. And they even hired Allegiant Sports Travel to assist in lodging logistics for the four new first-round playoff games. Okay. Big stuff there. Okay. What are you, what uh, are really you looking out for the student-athletes? Yeah. And, the, and their yeah, families. I, and their families. I think the 5 plus 7 works. Uh, so this was, I mean, immediately uh, upon the Pac-12's collapse uh, a couple weeks ago something that you had to start thinking about because now there's not five power conferences after this season there's only going to be four uh the pac-12 might try to claim power five status but we all know that's not going to be the reality so i we got to have group of five access there's got to be for a 12 team playoff a way an avenue for a, a group of five team to make it and you guarantee that if you have the top five conference champions you're going to have somebody coming out of either most likely the AAC or the Mountain West. I think that's good. I think that's healthy. I mean, I think I think back on watching college football growing up, and you know, I reflect fondly on seeing Hawaii get a chance uh, to play against the big guys You know, in a New Year's Day Bowl, right? Georgia and, scored every other play in the first okay. half. <laughs> I still remember the game. Like It helped cement my fanhood. I do, too, because that was, that was when I, find, I found out how to find offshore books in college. <laughs> Right. So, uh, you know, it's, um, I, I, we got to have it. I don't know that 12 best, if you take out automatic bids for conference champions, is, is all that great of an idea. To me, that, that kind of devalues conference championships. It, it, it makes it a scenario where uh, you're not going to uh, see a group of five team in the playoff every year. You'll still get one every now and then. Uh, but, you know, but hey, this is a chance for the Big Ten and the SEC to sort of uh, push things further in their direction, right? And and if the uh, the other conferences are too insistent on access for conference champions and access for the group five, I mean, the Big Ten and, and the SEC are almost to a point now where they can say, okay, uh, y'all don't want to play ball with us. Uh, we're powerful enough. We'll go start our own playoff and cut a deal with Fox or whoever, and it, it'll be uh, – it'll dwarf whatever piddly thing y'all want to put together. So – 
uh, we're, we're treading on thin ice here. Yeah, so this is kind of the problem that I've had with it. Like, I do agree with Mark in the short term. This is probably better for the sport because it keeps more people engaged. Mm-hmm. The problem that I've had getting, like, super invested in, in this story is it feels like in two years, like, they're just going to re... Maybe not two years. Whenever all the new TV deals are up, they're just going to... Like, I, I don't know. To me, like, I'm I'm more curious, like, how long would this even last? Because to me, this feels like... This isn't going to be the, the yes, yeah. You're right. So that's that's a valid point because when the when the new media rights deal goes into effect for the college football playoff, they'll probably rip the whole thing up and start a, a, another, right. another format altogether. Um, I'm curious though, like in the short term, next season is going to be our first year with the 12 team college football playoff, and the fear is that an expanded playoff is going to diminish the significance of the regular season and that regular season games won't mean as much and won't be viewed as much and that uh, we'll all just be waiting for the playoff. Uh, my counter to that is I, I actually think the expanded playoff is going to be great for college football because it's going to have way more teams uh, thinking they have a chance into October and November, whereas now if you have a, a program like a Texas A&M or a Tennessee or a Penn State uh, who, or a Miami who fancies themselves like to be cream of the crop, most years they're done for uh, by mid to late September in terms of, of the playoffs as of late. So it's like I, I think having more big brands engaged in that playoff discussion later into the season is ultimately I think it's going to be great for college football. All right, last last but not least, we're still waiting on what the ACC will do here. With This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 